Good evening and welcome to episode 21 of the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. We are at the Blackjack episode. I'm your host, Andrew, and with me tonight is my co-host, Joe. How are you doing tonight, man? Doing good, Andrew. How about you? I'm doing all right. It was a pretty decent week for the Braves last week, and uh, with Jason's Phillies uh, floundering away, things are starting to look good. Yeah, you're starting to uh, get some breathing room there. I don't, we'll see how, how much that lasts, but... Yeah, our schedule still gets tough for a little bit before it eases up, so it might it's not going to be a smooth ride, I don't think. But we'll see. So, Joe, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking an ice-cold Miller Lite to spite Ryan Braun. Congratulations on your retirement, you jerk. <laughs> and uh, Jason is not joining us tonight, guys. He's down the shore with his wife, Karen. They're enjoying a nice little fall vacation to the beach and they were rude enough not to invite us along to record down in new jersey so thanks jason but we're going to assume that you're probably drinking something from cape may brewing company tonight uh i when i was down there i had a lot of really good beer so i'm going to go with a crush in it tonight or something like that can't go wrong so for me tonight i am drinking a line and kugel's oktoberfest it's one of the smoothest oktoberfests i've had a little bit spicy it's a damn good beer joe i highly recommend it and I'm drinking this and hope that we're going to be playing some October baseball pretty late for the Braves this year. So looking at the Braves this past week, they, they did what they had to do to help push those dreams to fruition. They took two out of three from the Nationals in game one. They were powered by homers from both Ozzie Albies and Adam Duvall as they took that one eight to five. Duvall had a three-run home run in the first inning and Ozzie hit the tie-breaking two-run homer in the seventh as well as an insurance RBI in the eighth. For the game, Albies had four RBIs and homer, is now homered in four straight games at that point. Freeman and Darno also had doubles. Max Freed pitched really well. He went six innings, six hits, an earned run, four walks, five strikeouts. He did take a no decision. Uh, Tyler Matzik blew his first save of the season in the seventh inning. That was when uh, Hernandez had a three-run homer off Matzik after Soto hit an RBI single. Will Smith did pick up the save in the ninth. That was his 31st of the season. He did hit Juan Soto, but then Josh Bell grounded into a double play to end the game. That was a really nice 3-4-3, uh, three, three, Freddie to Ozzie, back to Freddie. And then um, looking at Max Freed, Joe, he's got a 1.97 ERA over his last 10 starts, and that was over 64 innings pitch, so really solid pitching right now. Um, game two, we started with some tense moments. National starter Sean Nolan was ejected after eight pitches for throwing at Freddie Freeman, likely in retaliation for Soto being hit the night before. And here's the thing. It took two pitches to hit him. The first one was behind him, and then the second one hit him. Uh, Freddie said, quote, when you miss the first time, that's your one chance, and that's all you get. Um, he said, adding that after he was hit, he told home plate umpire Lance Bar Barksdale, I'm sorry, but that's two times. That's clear intent. Now, Nolan, of course, claimed the hit-by-pitch was unintentional because pitchers always claim that. Um, after the inning, though, uh, Freddie was seen. He chat, we was chatting with both Juan Soto and Nationals manager Dave Martinez, working to defuse the situation and not take it any further. Uh, Dave Martinez afterwards said, quote, I've known Freddie for a long time. He's that kind of a guy. He understands that we both respect the game very much, and I respect him, and the feeling is mutual. So pitching that game for Atlanta was too key. He only allowed one hit, which was a home run to Bell. But his control was really poor. He threw four walks over three innings. Um, of the first of the 15 batters he faced, he only threw seven first pitch strikes. And overall, he was 29 for 62 strikes. Strikes. I mean, that's not going to get it done. His control was nowhere that night. Um, Bell provided two RBIs via fielder's choice and the home run from earlier. And Juan Soto drove in the tie-breaking home run the seventh off Rodriguez. 
Um, Duval and Rosario also had solo shots for the Braves. And uh, afterwards, Joe, we found out that Nolan was indeed suspended five games by MLB. I, that was an easy one. <laughs> Here's the thing I hate about pitcher discipline in baseball. Five games doesn't do anything for him. It's one start. He misses one start. It needs to be multiple starts. I don't know if five starts should be it, but at least two or three. This yeah. is ridiculous. I saw the replay of that. There's no way you could claim that wasn't intentional. Yeah, you it can't was clearly say intentional. You you can't say my hands were slippery and the ball slipped. Yeah, twice in a row. Okay, sure. Um, I agree with that's actually Joe. That's something I've been thinking about for a long time, especially with all the issues we have had with the Cooney and the Marlins over the years. They need to revamp how they do pitcher suspensions and do X Y Z number of starts in the rotation versus game suspended because it just it doesn't work the same way for the starters i i agree with you on that right bullpen guys you can do that but starters it's got to be multiple starts this is this is ridiculous yeah i think two starts would have been reasonable all right game three that was a back and forth affair the braves eventually held on to win at seven to six in the tenth um the bullpen couldn't hold a lead in that game and the fielding was pretty poor but that was also kind of the case for both teams uh, Waskar, you know, I feel for this guy, man. Another solid start got wasted. Five innings, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Steven Vogt, he had a, the game of his life. Two solo home runs, and then he hurt his hip and had to leave. Um, Solaire, Freeman, and Duvall also hit solo home runs. Riley had an RBI double as well. And Jock Peterson, man, thank you so much, Joe. He walked the Braves off with an RBI single to left center. And honestly, Joe, if they weren't the home team, he would have gotten at least two, maybe three out of that because he smoked it. Um, Fetty did not have his best stuff for the Nationals. He gave up three of the Braves' solo homers over six innings. Lane Thomas let off the game, or I'm sorry, let off the ninth of the triple off Will Smith and then scored on Josh Bell's grounder to make it six all. The Braves missed a chance to turn a double play and end that game earlier in the inning when uh, Ozzy had an uncharacteristic errant throw to first. Um, and so the season series with the Nationals is over. The Braves took it 14-5. to That's what you have to do against your division rivals, especially the lower ones in the division. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing of note, I think, you talked about Max Fried. Mm -hmm. I was looking at his numbers. In August, his batting average against was 208. His whip was .82, and he had 28 strikeouts in the month of August. In September so far, he, his batting average against is 197. His whip is 106, and he's got 21 strikeouts already. Whew. I love that guy. I really do. So uh, I'm really impressed with what he's been able to do, and he's been a huge part of helping them stay where they are right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing to remember, too, Max Freak gets better as the season goes on. He is a really, really good postseason pitcher, too. He's got fantastic numbers in the postseason, both as a starter and out of the bullpen. I mean, he's he's got that flexibility for a snit. So it's, you know, with him and Morton at the top of the rotation, I feel really good about any five-game series that we can run them out there with probably, you know, I would think in the middle. So it's, I, in a five-gamer, I'm feeling really confident. In a seven-gamer, I'm still feeling good, but we don't have the depth the Dodgers have, so I'm hoping they get knocked out in the wild card round if that's where they stay. But we'll talk about the playoffs in a few minutes. Now, in the Marlins series, the Braves uh, took two out of three again. Game one, the Braves came from behind to win 6-2. That was their 35th comeback victory of the season. That is second in the NL behind San Francisco and Cincinnati. Marlins starter Trevor Rogers allowed a two-out double to Freddie Freeman in the first and then retired the next 11 batters in a row. 
Darno got the next hit, which was a double in, to right field with one out in the fifth. So uh, he was Rogers was pitching fantastic that game. Um, he walked Orlando Arcia and he hit Guillermo Heredia with a pitch. And then Ari Adrianza followed up with a single that knocked Rogers out of the game and trimmed the lead back to two to one. Uh, one out later, Soler single passed Miguel Rojas at shortstop, which scored Arcia and Heredia. And then Adrianza scored on the play too because uh, Brian De La Cruz. I don't know what he was thinking out there. It was a pretty boneheaded fielding error, so that gave the Braves the 4-2 lead. And then with Soler on second, Freddie hit an infield single that um, Isan Diaz fielded and then overthrew first, which led Soler score. So I, it was not a good fielding game for the Marlins in that one. <laughs> um, Ian Anderson, he had a fantastic game. He set a career high with a record nine strikeouts over five innings. So great start for Ian Anderson. Actually, that you know that's interesting, Joe. Would it be Anderson or Yanoa in, in that third game? Anyway, we'll talk about that later, like I said. <laughs> Came to uh, Brian De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez at back-to-back homers in the 8th against Rich Rodriguez, lifting the Marlins to a 6-4 to victory. So Rodriguez has taken a couple hits over the last week or so. Um, I still trust him. He's still a solid pitcher. I think it was just a rough week and a half. Now, De La Cruz on the day was 3-4. for four. He had a run scored in two RBIs. Once again, Charlie Morton had a good start get wasted by the bullpen. Seven innings, six hits, only three earned runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts, and one home run allowed. And he even hit a double with the bat. Not bad for a guy who spent most of his career in the AL. And then uh, Floro picked up his 10th save of the season for the Marlins. Game three, the Braves took the series to the 5-3 victory. Albies and Freeman each hit solo homers off Anthony Bass in the seventh. Eddie Rosario went deep off of Edward Cabrera in the fourth. That was uh, Freddie's... Uh, 30th homer of the season on his 32nd birthday. Congratulations, Freddie. Um, despite a good start from Max Fried, he once again took a no decision after a fielding error. And not, to be fair, this one was his fault. Uh, in the sixth inning on a bunt, which allowed the Marlins to tie the game up. In the ninth, uh, Will Smith did allow a leadoff triple to Jesus Sanchez and issued a one-out walk to Hassan Diaz. And then he retired at uh, former Brave Alex Jackson on a pop-up and then Eddie Alvarez in the ground out. So that was his 32nd save of the season and 37 chances. So the Braves have improved to 23-15-8 in series play this season. Not bad. They've won five of their last six home series, and then the season series with Miami is done, and they took that 11-8. And considering how bad they were against the Marlins early this season and how strong they came on against them late, I'll take it. Yeah, you'll take a draw in that series for the season with the way that the Miami had their number earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah, the comeback was particularly impressive. A couple of things just thinking about the, the week as a whole for them for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, they went four and two, and Riley went three for 24 at the plate. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they found offense in other places was huge for them. I think Albies has been really good since he's been back. A- Albies has, has impressed me so much this year that with his with his speed and pop. There's a reason he's either leading or near the top of the uh, extra base hits column in the uh, National League. All right, so we have one update on Marcelo Zuna. Um, Joe, if you remember, he had the uh, domestic violence issue earlier this season, and he's also been rehabbing a thumb injury, which I think he would have been back by now had that not happened. So here's an update just recently. Um, Ozuna agrees to pretrial diversion program that could lead to the dismissal of domestic viol- of the domestic violence case. Ozuna was placed on six-month supervision 
and he must undergo a 24-week family violence intervention program, which includes an anger management course and a psychological assessment component. He also must complete 200 hours of community service, refrain from illegal drug use, and avoid any contact with his wife. Now, that said, he could still face a long suspension under under MLB, which is reviewing the case under the joint domestic violence policy in place between the MLB and the MLBPA. So, remember, just like the just like the NFL, it doesn't matter what happens in the legal system. They are allowed to make any suspension decisions regardless of that. I do not expect to see Ozuna back this year. I'm going to guess he's going to miss a pretty good chunk of next year as well. And he should. And I think um, I'm a little fuzzy on all the details from before. I know we talked about it a ton at the beginning of the year, but um, see how the program goes. See if he does make the improvements, and then I think MLB will make a decision at that point, I would think. And I'm going to be honest, he and his wife, they've got a ton of work that they need to do together if they're going to stay together, which I personally I don't think they should because two years ago she was arrested for domestic violence on him. So clearly they have issues together. And, you know, it's just one of those things. Maybe, maybe it's not meant to be. And you need to make that choice, and you need to, uh, you know, you need to do what's best for each other, which I think it sounds like the forced separation for for a while should help. So. Right. I think I think MLB, with with that in mind, maybe MLB will, will wait to see how, you know, what the, the assessments are and how how the. Right, and they've that got goes. and they've got the time too because it's going to be in the off season. Clearly, yeah, so. clear, clearly he's not going to be back this year. Yeah, so we'll kind of see what happens there. All right, so a fun stat, and there's going to be a lot of fun stats tonight, guys, but this is a fun one for the Braves. If Freddie Freeman ends the year leading the NL in runs scored, which he is right now at 108, he's 10 ahead of Juan Soto at second at 98. If he if he leads the Ends the year leading the NL in runs scored. He'll be the first first baseman to do that since Albert Pujols did it in 2009-2010. So it'll be consecutive years for Freeman as well, which is awesome. So uh, one injury update for the Braves. Steven Vogt did get put on the 10-day IL with that right hip inflammation. So hopefully, I, what Snit said was it's probably going to take all 10 days for the inflammation to go down, and then they'll have to reassess and see if he's able to come back for the postseason run or if it's going to be Contreras. So we'll see. All right, Joe, what about the Cubbies? Let's talk about these Cubs. Uh, I was almost perfect in picking this week. <laughs> you were so uh, close. So, so close. Uh, they take two or three from the Reds in the beginning of the week here. Uh, game started out. Sonny Gray was on the mound for the Reds. This game he went five innings, three hits, three runs, two earned. No walks and eight strikeouts there for the Reds. The three runs came in the first inning on an eight-and-a-half three-run homer. Uh, so... Other than that inning, Sonny Gray didn't pitch that badly. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's a good start for him, other than, of course, the difference maker, the three-run homer, um, to give them the cushion to start the game. So, um, and Justin Steele went for the Cubs again. Five innings, four hits, three runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Not bad, somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. Not bad, not Excellent, but again, for uh, a, a decent guy, start. For a young guy, that's a good start, I think. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with what I'm seeing from him. I'm pleased with what he's been able to do. He's been able to manage the game fairly well, mm-hmm. um, at least this part of the week. So we'll see if that continues. Um, and then, of course, who else but? <laughs> Frank the Tank. Frank the, the Tank. The master of the Schwindy City. <laughs> uh, yeah. In game one, the Reds were schwindeled. 
Uh, Frank Schwindel continues to be the man for Chicago as he broke the 3-3 tie in the bottom of the eighth. The Cubs won this game 4-3. That was the seventh win in a row for the Cubs and their longest streak of the year. Schwindel at that point had been batting 441 with six homers and 14 RBIs during that eight-game hitting streak he was on. And this game was the Reds' seventh loss in nine games, which put them behind San Diego uh, for that second wild card spot at that point in the week. Uh, so that was game one. The other stat from game one was Sonny Gray. After the homer, Gray retired 15 of the final 16 batters he faced. Wow. So again, without that home run, who knows what, what this start means for Sonny Gray. It was a good start for them. I think he's going to be a huge piece for them come the postseason should they get there. I agree. Game two, uh, Wade Miley continued his strong 2021 season for the Reds. The Reds win this game 4-3. to three. Uh, Miley went seven innings, five hits, one earned run, no walks, eight strikeouts, and a home run. Two two days in a row, two Reds pitchers, eight strikeouts. Uh, Wade Miley is just phenomenal. He's had a great season. Mm-hmm. The one complete game shutout was his no hitter, I believe, um, this year. His record's twelve and six. His ERA is three oh nine. Hundred sixty innings pitch, hundred twenty three strikeouts, and a one two nine WHIP for the year. Yeah, I can't argue with that. So he's having a really solid season for them. Uh, Adrian Sampson pitched well for the Cubs. He went five innings, six hits, two runs, a walk, two strikeouts, two home runs. Those two home runs are the big blemish for him. Uh, Castellanos and India hit homers off of him, while Ortega, Contreras, and Happ hit homers for the Cubs. And uh, Givens picked up his sixth save for the season uh, for the Reds in that game. Trevor McGill came in in game two, and he went two innings, uh, no hits, no runs, three strikeouts. So he, he has good outings and bad outings. This was a good outing to keep it close. I, I'm, I'm happy with some of that that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. This tr- Trevor McGill for the Cubs, The his brother, I think it's um, Tyler McGill, is for the Mets, correct? Uh, it sounds right. I'll yeah. double-check that, but that sounds right. Um, so not to be confused, Ty- Trevor McGill is a reliever. Tyler McGill for the Mets is a starter. Uh, so that's game two. Game three, extra innings game, saw Jason Hayward hit a three-run walk-off in the 10th. Cubs win this one 4-1. to one. Ian Happ also hit a homer earlier in the year, or earlier in the game, I should say. Uh, his third straight game with a homer. He was on a nine-game hitting streak at that point. Uh, though he earned a no decision, Alec Mills pitched well in this game, going six innings, four hits, one earned run, a walk, three strikeouts, a home run. The Reds' only run was the Vado solo shot the home run that Alec Mills gave up, and that was Votto's 29th home run of the year. Not a bad year for someone at his his age and experience. No, absolutely not. At all. not. Uh, Cubs pitching held the Reds to 0-5 uh, in runners scoring position. Gutierrez pitched well for the Reds, going five innings, two hits, one in run, two walks, six strikeouts, a home run. The Reds won the season series 11-8, to not surprising. Uh, game two, or game three, rather, Cody Hewer, uh pitched in game three two innings no hits no runs two strikeouts so again i'm impressed with some of the bullpen guys they have i'm anxious to see what Steele does when he's fully stretched out next year um and and alec mills i think they've got some really good pieces in that rotation in that bullpen for next year yeah i agree with that um i did look it up you're right he's a starter with the mets um the the big thing joe that struck me with this series is one, the Cubs are getting scrappy. They're not giving up, even though the season's lost. And two, considering how bad they were in the middle of the season, kind of like how bad Atlanta was against the Marlins early, 
how bad the Cubs were in the middle, and that they still kept the season series close, eleven to eight. You know, it speaks a lot to how scrappy the Cubs play the Reds. Well, there's nothing better, I think, for these guys than, again, a the front office is trying to figure out what they have, mm-hmm. um, and I think also. There's nothing better than spoiling one of your rivals' chances to get in the playoffs. Absolutely. That's the best part of being the, one of the losing teams in the division. So, um, yeah, I think they're, again, I'm, I'm really impressed with what they've got in there. We'll see what some of these other guys, when they come up prospect-wise, see what they can do, see what decisions are made in free agency and all that. But I'm, I'm not thinking this is going to be a 100-year rebuild no, <laughs> this no, time. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, so... That's that's the series with the Reds, and then the Cubs went back home to play the Giants at home. Uh, again, the, the story game one on Friday is of course um, KB's first game back at Wrigley since the trade mm-hmm. to the Giants. Uh, nice video tribute on Friday, very moving. Uh, the the team presented him with the the scoreboard number seventeen and a twenty sixteen flag. Very nice gestures by by all involved with that and and the Bryants um, Chris and his wife gave uh, made him gave cookies to the Wrigley employees so that was really nice That's it was really a sweet. lot of nice uh, gestures on Friday um, so uh, that was the big story with that now getting to the game game one was quality start from who else the professor Kyle Hendricks uh, but this one got wasted by the bullpen Giants win this game six to one Hendricks went six innings Four hits, one run, two walks, and four strikeouts. Schwindel scored the only run for the Cubs in the fourth was a solo home run because who else? Right. Um, McGill in this one, no innings, three hits, three runs, a walk, a home run, and it was a three-run homer. So that was the start of the downfall, I think, probably in the seventh there. Uh, Half went 0 for 4 in this game. Wisdom went 0 for 3. Uh, Giants played a bullpen game, held the Cubs to two hits in this one. Giants hit. Two two-run homers in the seventh from Wade and Longoria to pull this one away. Bryant, in his Wrigley debut as a visitor, went 0 for 3 with a walk, two strikeouts, and a run. Uh, game two, Tommy Listella, former Cub, uh, and Brandon Bell each hit three-run homers in this game. The Giants pounded the Cubs 15-4 to on Saturday for their sixth straight win. Listella finished with three hits, including a double, five RBIs, and scored three runs. Listella's home run was off Tommy Nance in the bullpen, and it crushed off the right field video board. That was something pretty fun to see. Uh, as much as it doesn't help me, that's still to hit it that far and that long is that's 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 some power, or at least the right <laughs> launch angle. <laughs> um, so that capped the six-run rally, allowed the Giants to pull away for their eighth win in nine games. Uh, Gaussman pitched well for the Giants, six innings, eight hits, three runs, nine strikeouts, reached 200 strikeouts uh, for the season. The first time he's done that in his career, so he's really impressive. Um, Where the hell was that when he was with Atlanta the last two seasons? I didn't mention the starter for this game, but see if you can help me figure this out. I'll read you the stat line. (laughs) Two innings pitched, four hits, five runs, three walks. One strikeout, a home run, and his season ERA is 5.40. Which starting pitcher am I talking about? It's got to be Davies. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Donnie, we have a winner. Zach Davies pitched in this game, so of course they were going to lose this one. And badly. It's terrible. 
Uh, Rodriguez came in for them too, and and didn't make didn't record an out in the inning. He came in, two hits, five runs, three walks. So he just piled on. If Rodriguez is hanging out with Davies, please hang out with somebody else. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just ridiculous thing. And KB went two for four with the walk, so KB found his stride over the weekend. But uh, and again, it was fun to see him back in back in the area. Absolutely. Um, I know he's wearing twenty three, and and I saw something about that where that was a number he wanted, and. I, Somebody said something, and I said, well, Sandberg had 23, so obviously he wasn't going to wear yeah. that in Chicago. Yeah, I, I'm um, pretty sure Ryan's not going to allow his number to be unretired temporarily for one guy. No, absolutely not, nor should he. So, no. Um, anyway, it's 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 again, it's been fun to watch KB have a good end of the season here. He's been playing really well for the Giants. And have a chance to get back to the playoffs. Right. Um, and I know I've said it before, but the Cubs really did a nice job of getting a good haul back and sending these guys where they've got family or friends, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be around, which is great. Yes, absolutely. Uh, game three, uh, fin- completed the sweep and it cost me Pickham. I have to point and pick him. Uh, the Giants completed the sweep, winning this close one six to five. Uh, Wilmer Flores, former Met, homered and drove in three runs. KB went two for five, an RBI, two runs, and a strikeout. Posey and Estrada also hit doubles for the Giants, who had 12 hits as a team. Wow. Uh, Cubs had the tying run on in the ninth after Jake McGee gave up a one-out double to Patrick Wisdom. Frank Schwindel and Ian Happ grounded the first to end the game, so no heroics from Frank the Tank in the Schwindy City uh, (laughs) on Sunday. Um, Rocky start for Justin Steele in this game. Five innings, ten hits, five runs, four earned, two walks. Four strikeouts, so not really, not his best stuff. But again, stretching out, figuring out what he can do. Um, his numbers so far: uh, a four one seven ERA, forty one innings pitch, forty three strikeouts, and a one three nine WHIP. He's three and three with his record, so he'll get there. I th- I'm really, again, I'm really impressed with what he's got to give for them. Uh, Brian got a standing ovation when he stepped to the plate in the first. I don't know if this was this might have been game one. Actually, I think it was every game. Every game, pretty much. It's, yeah. You know, the, there's no love lost. The, the fans love him still, and they should. Yeah. Um, you know, he was really big for them. Went four for twelve with five runs in that series in Chicago. Again, the first series since he was traded at the deadline. Uh, injury updates. Cub fans were kind of wondering why Hermosil wasn't getting starts, um, and then we know why he was put on a ten day IL with some a left forearm strain. Nick Magrigal, who came over in the Kimbrel deal from the White Sox, uh, he's been cleared to start running and specs to be 100% in November. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll get some low A action or something. Or yeah, some they might send him to Arizona in the Instructional League or have him play like Cuban or Mexican Winter League ball or something like that. Right. Uh, Keegan Thompson, right shoulder inflammation through a bullpen session Friday and is expected to toss another one in a few days. Hayward's day to day, he slid into third and had a nasty collision. Um, on, yeah, on, need ahead. On, that was on, not good looking. On Saturday's game, so um, we'll see what happens there. I, I I think I read today he's still having some issues and some symptoms. So yeah, hopefully best of luck to you, Jay. Hey, I know I rag on you quite a bit, but I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, same. I'm always gonna love Hayward. Uh, and Nico began a rehab assignment in Iowa uh, over the weekend, so hopefully we get a few games of him before the season's out. Yeah. And uh, one note with Ta- with uh, with Stella there, Joe. Remember, he came up with Atlanta before we traded him to Chicago. 
I can't for the life of me remember who the hell we traded him for because that was back in like 14, I think. But yeah, he came up with Atlanta, went to Chicago, and then moved on after that. So, yeah, that was fun to watch. All right, so uh, let's beat up on the Phillies a little bit since Jason's not here to do it for us. So they started the week off spectacularly from my perspective as they dropped two out of three in the road to the Brewers. So in game one, that was a that was a big win for them. They took that one 12 to nothing. The Phillies hit six home runs in that game. Segura had a grand slam. Brad Miller hit a homer, tw- hit two different home runs. Uh, Harper, McCutcheon, and Galvis also had home runs. It was the fifth straight time the Phillies had beaten the Brewers. Wheeler had a great start. Six innings, five hits, didn't allow any runs or walks, and had nine strikeouts. The Brewers for the game had one extra base hit. Um, potential Cy Young candidate Woodruff, he actually got knocked around quite a bit. Uh, six innings, nine hits, four and runs, one walk, six strikeouts, three home runs allowed. So very uncharacteristic start for him. And then, uh, so the Phillies got to start the week on a high note before everything went straight to the toilet. Um, game two, Lauer was sharp for the Brewers. They shut the Phillies out 10 to nothing. So you had back-to-back games with 10-plus run shutouts. Lauer went seven innings, four hits, didn't allow a run, one walk and five strikeouts. Uh, Nola's September struggles continued. He went five innings, six hits, three earned runs, didn't walk anybody, and did strike out six. Those three runs came in a third-inning rally that featured five hits, all of which came on two-strike pitches. I mean, you can't lose location on two strikes like that. Nola's season ERA is now up to 457. The Philly Bats went completely silent. They had five hits total, no extra base hits, and they hit into two double plays. Uh, Vasilia Garcia had a two-run homer, and Eduardo Escobar knocked in three runs as well for the Brewers. Game three, after two straight days of blowout shutouts, game three was a tight one that the Brewers took 4-3, to three, which, if you look at the pitching staffs, that doesn't surprise me. The Brewers come out on top on that one. Neither staff, uh, excuse me, neither starter was a factor late on that one. Gibson only went four and two-thirds, seven hits, three earned runs, four walks, five strikeouts for the Phillies. Peralta went three and two-thirds for the Brewers, three runs, only one of which was earned. A walk, four strikeouts, and the home run allowed. Um, Eduardo Escobar had the tie-breaking solo home run in the sixth inning. That was his 25th on the season. So get this, Joe. 17 career games against Philadelphia. Escobar has a 356 average, 21 for 59, four homers, and 22 RBIs. You think he loves to play Philadelphia? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, Josh Hader got the save. That was his 30th of the season. Now, Harper did his 29th homer of the season in the first. Um, despite getting five hits and drawing five walks, the Phillies also hit in a three-double place. They could not hit against the Brewers at all. Situational hitting is, is such a big thing for these guys, particularly with Reese out. You've got to be able to make some things happen, put the ball in play, and make things happen. I mean, that was, what, five double plays in two games in the losses? That's, yeah, yeah. That's, you're not going to win games when you shoot yourself in the foot like that. You know, and, and there's a lot of energy, obviously, coming off of winning – 12 nothing against Woodruff, and then you go and lay an egg two games in a row. Yeah, I I don't know, man. You know, I, I, I really hoped that Hoskins wouldn't be the doom of them, but... It might be. It might because, be. Because Real Muto can't really protect Harper very well, especially if his shoulder's still hurting him. I mean, because he's still getting some pop, but he's not a big home run threat. And if you know, if you know Real Muto's behind Harper... I don't mind pitching around Harper to get to Real Muto and make him beat you. So, uh, what about the what about the Rockies series, Joe? All right, so this Rockies series uh, to uh, end the week for the Phillies. Phillies bullpen fell apart in Game One late as the Rockies win this one and rally for to win four to three. 
uh, Ryan McMahon and Sam Hilliard hit back-to-back home runs with two outs in the ninth inning. Bryce Harper hit his 30th home run of the season to bolster his MVP candidacy. And the Phillies looked as if they were going to start a pivotal home stretch with a victory before the bullpen blew their 30th save of the season. Which is just mind-boggling to me. Absolutely. Uh, The way that that's going. I know we've ragged on them a bunch, but to see it balloon to 30 saves blown, that's just incredible. Uh, Not in a good way, obviously. Uh, With the 2-1 lead, closer Ian Kennedy retired the first two Colorado batters in the ninth after Colton Welker singled. McMahon drove an 0-2, 80-mile-per-hour curveball over the wall and right to put Colorado ahead 3-2. Hilliard followed with a long drive to right. It was Kennedy's third-blown save of the season and second since the Phillies got him from Texas in a trade at the deadline. Phillies tried to rally themselves but fell just short. Phillies put runners on second and third with one out, and Didi... Ground out, scored Brad Miller and pulled Philadelphia within a run. Estevez struck out JT, pinch hitting to end the game. It was Estevez's sixth save of the season. It was the fourth homer in five games for Harper, who now has 30 or more homers in four of his 10 seasons. Just incredible, just impressive. As much as I don't necessarily care for the guy, the guy is he's putting up numbers. He's it's talented, man. Very much so. Uh, both starters pitched well, ended up being non-factors. Suarez went six innings, five hits, one run. One walk, six strikeouts, and Senzatella went six innings, four hits, two runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. Uh, game two, Elias Diaz hit a grand slam. Your man Marquez pitched six shutout innings as the Rockies pounded the Phillies eleven to two. On the wrong side of some of these games, it's just it's just crazy. Uh, Trevor Story, C.J. Crone also homered for the Rockies. D.D. homered and Bryce hit a, had a pair of hits in an RBI. Uh, Marquez was sharp, striking out six over six innings. The Phillies ran a bullpen game with uh, Coonrod and Cam Bedrosian, managing to not allow any runs. Everybody else allowed at least one run in that game. Game three, Phillies found stability. Wheeler pitched in game three. They won six to one. Wheeler went six and two-thirds, five hits, one earned run, two walks, eight strikeouts. Wheeler's only run was a homer given up to Story. Segura, Miller, and Harper hit homers for the Phillies. Segura and Harper also scored in the Phillies' three-run fourth inning. Kyle Freeland gave up four runs in six innings for the Rockies. Game four, Garrett Hampson homered twice and knocked in all five runs as the Rockies took the series with a 5-4 victory. Uh, Third career multi-homer game for Hampson. Both of Hampson's homers came on 0-2 pitches. A three-run shot in the fifth inning on a hanging curveball by Nola. And tie-breaking a two-run blast in the seventh off Hector Neris because, of course, Shocker, it's Hector right? Neris. <laughs> uh, Philly pitchers have allowed 16 homers on 0-2 counts this season, the most in the majors. The Rockies have hit five homers on 0-2 pitches during what, while taking three of four games from Philly after having three such homers this entire season coming into the series. That's insane. So five homers in the series alone on 0-2 counts. That's... Yeah, that's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, Harper hit his 32nd homer of the season for the Phillies. JT had three hits and scored two runs. Harper homered in the eighth, his 25th show shot of the season, which is, again, just remarkable how many times there's nobody else on. Um, You get another one or two runners on, this guy is having easily an MVP year. He still is, but that's just remarkable. Yeah, I I do think the RBI numbers are going to hurt him. Yeah. Especially when the Phillies don't make the playoffs because they can't beat crap teams. 
Only seven of his 32 homers have come with a runner on base. Sunday start was the 30th of Noah's career in September. He is 7-13 with a 4.55 ERA and 30 homers allowed in 172 innings in September. It's the only month in which Noah carries a sub-500 record. And Noah's line on the day was five and a third, five hits, three runs, no walks, ten strikeouts. Ten strikeouts, but man. But when you're giving up the runs, it doesn't matter. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Hampson's second home run came against Naris because, of course, it did. <laughs> uh, the Rockies, who are 30 games below 500 on the road, won the series season series against Philly 5-2. to two. Against the Rockies and Diamondbacks, the bottom two in the NL West, um, that those two, two teams combined are 63 games under 500. The Phillies finished the season 5-9. and nine. That, That's terrible. Um, Jason's full recap for the Phillies. This is a quick one because, uh, quote, it was a week full of garbage performances with Harper and Wheeler being the bright spots. Harper now has 31 home runs, batting 307, making a very strong case for MVP, even if they don't make the playoffs. I, I don't agree with that, that part, Jason, but <laughs> he is having a good season. It's truly a shame they're wasting this big year, year he's had. No protection to line up with Reese out, and he's still just mashing. So, yeah, I mean, Jason, uh, Jason's right about that, though. I'm, we pointed it out earlier. Without Reese protecting Harper, it, the fact that Harper's playing as well as he is is kind of remarkable. Yeah, I mean, if, if JT were healthy, it wouldn't be so noticeable. But with JT not being healthy... And Alec Baum being a hole in the lineup in third base. I mean, they were looking at him to be a big bat, and he had to get sent down to AAA because he can't feel. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And Injury updates for the Phillies. Uh, Eflin is scheduled to undergo surgery uh, to repair his right patellar tendon, expected recovery time six to eight months. Uh, That's a tough loss for them. They really could use him. Yeah, honestly, my guess is because he's a young guy, the Phillies are going to be pretty conservative managing this. I, I would not ex- I would expect closer to the eight month mark even if he's doing well that just just my gut feeling on that one and you know you can't blame the team for doing that all right looking at the other local teams let's start with the uh, biggest garbage fire in the MLB this year the Orioles their week started with the split versus the Royals so a good start and then they took the first game versus the Blue Jays and then the wheels came off the card as they allowed 44 runs in the final three games including a 22 to 7 blowout loss on Sunday. On Sunday, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez each hit a grand slam while Vlad Guerrero Jr. slugged his 44th homer, tying him with Angels two-way star Shohei Otani for the MLB lead. He also became the first player in MLB history to have seven RBIs, five runs, and three walks in a game since the RBI became a stat in 1920. More than half of the damage in the series came in just four innings. 11 runs in the seventh inning of Saturday's nightcap, and then 16 over the course of the first three innings in Sunday's game. The 27 runs allowed in a four-inning span are the most in MLB history, surpassing the previous record of 25. Yeah, the Orioles are garbage. All right, the Nationals. Their six-game road trip ended poorly as they dropped 2-3 to three in Pittsburgh after dropping 2-3 to three to Atlanta earlier in the week. That said, Corbin Burns finally returned to the win column versus the Pirates, whom he's pitched really well with since he arrived in Washington. Um, he's 3-0 with a .89 ERA versus the Pirates in that period of time. In that game, the Nationals beat up on former Braves starter Bryce Wilson as he only lasted four and a third, seven hits, five earned runs, and gave up three homers. You know, I'm not really surprised to hear that. Just saying. The Mets, they stumbled in the first half of the week. They dropped two out of three to the Marlins, of all teams. But then they took two out of three in the Subway Series versus the Yankees. 
In the rubber match on Sunday, Francisco Lindor hit three homers in the game. It was the first career three-homer game for Lindor, who's hitting only two twenty-seven this season. He became the first player with a three-homer outing in the 139-game history of the Subway Series, according to uh, ESPN Stats and Info. There were nearly a few brawls in Sunday's game, because it's Yankees and Mets. Um, Lindor whistled and taunted Glaber Torres as the Mets thought that the Yankees were tipping their hitters Saturday night by whistling. And then later in the game, after Stanton hit a home run, he yelled at Lindor after he crossed second base when he tied it with the homer in the seventh. So yeah, that was a little bit of mini fireworks. I think the bench is emptied and bullpens came out, but as usual, it turned into an MLB uh, yelling and maybe a little bit of shoving match. So nothing major there. The Yankees, they had an awful week. They got swept by the Blue Jays, who are on fire. And then they dropped two out of three of the Mets. So here's the thing, Joe. After the Mets series, the Yankees lost for the 12th time in 15 games after the 13-game winning streak. And they dropped to one game behind the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, the leaders for the two AL wild, AL wild card spots as of Sunday. So, wow. The Yankees are just falling apart. You know, we, we thought, I think, or at least I did at the trade deadline, that they might have done just enough. But it turns out they just don't have. They just don't have enough. I yeah. thought maybe they did enough because the Red Sox were falling off and the Blue Jays were somewhere, you know. <laughs> and then the Blue Jays got out of nowhere. They caught fire and lit. I, honestly, I I think this if the Blue Jays make the wild card, you got to give the AL MVP to Vlad Guerrero Jr. I know Otani's having an amazing season, pitching and hitting, but. Vlad helped get his team to the playoff. Otani didn't. Yeah, and part of that, I think, too, the, the argument that you'll get on behalf of Otani is that Trout's been out pretty much all season. And which that's, and that's is fair. a huge, huge part of this. Yeah, and that, um, that is and, fair. And you almost can make the same case in the in the NL that if, if Hoskins doesn't get hurt, maybe the Phillies make the playoffs and Harper could be the MVP. I still don't trust that pitching staff, but that's a that's a right. point. Right. Here, here's the thing too, though. Vlad is in position to potentially take the the triple crown. I think if the Blue Jays make the playoffs and he takes the triple crown, I don't think you can give it to Shohei. I, I no, just, it's 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 game over. Yeah, I I, I think point. that's going to knock him out be, be, because they've made a run at the playoffs, and assuming they get there, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everyone. So to start our second section off, we're going to look at 11 crazy stats in the 2021 season. These were from an article I saw on MLB.com. Um, all of the stats except for one, and you'll you'll hear which one it is, are current as of 9-9, so last week. The first crazy stat, 608-335. That is Otani's slugging percentage while batting and slugging allowed while pitching. Joe, if Otani gave up 32 consecutive home runs, his slugging allowed would still be two points lower than his current slugging. Holy cow. Yeah, that's insane. That is phenomenal. That is that is beyond crazy. Absolutely. All right, next one. Uh, 417. This is uh, Yasmani Grandal's on-base percentage. Crazy high despite having a low batting average of 230. With 69 walks and 49 hits. Grandal is on pace to become just the 10th player in history with more than 60 walks and fewer than 60 hits. I mean, in addition to that being a very nice number of walks, that's insane. He had, I think it was somewhere around 50 at the, at the break. It was just 
ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's crazy. The next number, 20. That is the number of hits batsmen for Padres pitcher Austin Adams, leading the majors by five hit batsmen. The crazy thing is that he's a reliever, and he's done this in only 46 and two-thirds innings pitched. None of the other players in the history of MLB who have hit 20 batters had fewer than 178 and two-thirds innings pitched. How many of these were after they started policing the sticky stuff? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I, I, I'm really legitimately curious about that. I'll see if I can find an answer later. Good Lord. Uh, next number, zero. The number of times Dodgers and former national pitcher Max Scherzer has reached base in 53 plate appearances. Those are John Lester-type numbers. <laughs> right. Uh, he's already broken Wei Yin Chen's record of 49 plate appearances without reaching base by hit Walker hit by pitch, which was set in 2016 with the Marlins. Yeah, Matt, Max Scherzer is praying that the DH comes to the National League next year or praying that he goes to the American League, I think. Next number, 1.327. This is the Twins' opponent's OPS with the bases loaded. Yes, this is definitely a new record. The old record was set by the god awful 2015 Tigers at 1.215. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Man. The next number, nine. The number of no hitters this year, based on official M MLB rules, it would be 11 if we count the seven inning ones, uh, which we don't, obviously. But the new record is nine. After the Brewers threw a combined no-hitter against the Indians on nine on Saturday 9/11, the the Indians are the third or the one of the first teams to be no-hit three times in a season, and Dan Plesac's kid has been the starting pitcher in every single one of them. Oh my God, that's insane! I forget what, what, what his first name is, but freaking odds. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's another stat that's in here for you there. The next number is 42, and that's the number of home runs for Salvador Perez. That makes him just the sixth catcher in history with a 40-homer season, and the first since Atlanta Braves' Javi Lopez hit 43 in 2003. And Perez still has a real shot at catching Hall of Famer Johnny Bench's single-season record for catcher home runs, which was 45 set in 1970. It's been a long time. It's, it's time for that record to fall, so good luck to Salvador. Yeah, he's having a heck of a year for a team with no shot. That's too bad that's he can't amazing. count. Too bad he can't count some of those home run derby home runs because he was looking fantastic. It just sucked that he had to uh, go against Pete Alonso. The next number three fifty. This is the differential between Colorado's twenty twenty one home winning percentage of six twenty five and road winning percentage of two seventy five. That's an expanse as wide as the Rocky Mountains. We've long known the Rockies are a different ball club at Coors, but this is ridiculous. This road-winning percentage was obviously before the weekend. Yes, obviously before the weekend. But, you know, even still, it's like I said last, you know, it's like I said in the show last week, I wasn't super worried about the Braves taking the split in Colorado because they are so good, and that stadium is cursed with juju because of the high atmosphere. So... But that's insane. I don't know that we've ever seen a team have that big of a difference between home and away. All right, our next number is two. This was the number of teams that had a road-losing streak of 20 games or more this season. Earlier this year, the D-backs set an MLB record with 24 straight road losses, and then the Orioles, who had a 20-game road-losing streak of their own. According to Elias, this marked the first time since 1894 
that two teams had road losing streaks of 20 games or more. And the teams that year were the Louisville Colonels, who lost 20 in a row, and the Washington Senators, who lost 21 in a row. Clearly, those teams were destined for long-term success, especially the Colonels. Yep. Now, we touched on this number earlier, but the next number is 30, the number of blown saves by the Phillies. While this number is large, it is not yet truly bonkers. It's the ninth most all-time. The 2004 Rockies hold the all-time record with 34. You know it's crazy? I won't be shocked if they tie it or break it. I, I, I just won't. I don't think Jason would be either. No. The next number is 44. That And this is, I think, what the bonkiest, craziest number of them all. The 44 is the number of steals for Starling, Starling Marte, which is a nice total, but that's not the crazy part. What's crazy is how he's divvied up the thefts evenly between the AL and the NL. He had 22 steals for the Marlins before he was dealt to the A's in July, and since July, he's swiped 22 more since. That puts him in the top 10 in each league in, sto- in stolen bases, a feat that no player has ever accomplished. He could actually wind up finishing top five in each league. He's fifth in the AL in steals, and the NL total is still fourth, even though his last steal from Miami was more than six weeks ago. That is just... That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, I know baseball's changed. The speed thing isn't really a thing like it used to be. Like, nobody plays whitey ball anymore. But still... <laughs> yeah, that's that's phenomenal numbers, and it's amazing that he still has that spot. Uh, I hope he keeps it. That would be an, that would be absolutely insane to be top five in both leagues. I hope it happens. All right, we had a big milestone this past weekend. Max Scherzer struck out his three thousandth batter, and in the process, he also had an immaculate inning in the same game. And for uh, those who don't know, an immaculate inning is where you strike out the side on nine pitches. Wow, I, I tell you what, if it weren't for some of these other pitchers we've talked about this year, Scherzer's got to be in the conversation now. Yeah, I, the thing that hurts him is his record in Washington was so bad because that team played like garbage around him and gave him no run support. But as we've pointed out many times before, DeGrom had a, oh my God, a crappy yeah. record but had the best numbers a couple years ago. That's so. true. But I, I, I still think it's going to come to one of the L.A. pitchers because they're just too good. One of the, uh, Let me rephrase it. One of the other L.A. Let pitchers. Let other still L.A. pitchers. Saying, i got to say, I still hate saying that, man. That Oh, my God. Talk about talk about having everything all at once. It, it honestly almost feels like a freaking MLB The Show franchise where you make all the rosters open so you can give yourself a loaded team. It's almost what it feels like. All right, so last Saturday was September 11th, Remembrance in New York City. So the teams uh, wore hats honoring various first responder groups from New York. The teams lined up interspersed along the foul lines for the national anthem. Uh, DeGrom was next to Garrett Cole. Brandon Nemo was wedged between Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and Nemo looked pretty diminutive between those two giants. And they shared the diamond with first responders, former players, and a giant ribbon imprinted with the American flag. The stadium was sold out, and it buzzed in a way it hadn't since before the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Mike Piazza, John Franco, and other Mets alumni accompanied members of the New York's fire police and EMT, sanitation correction, and court officers along the outfield warning track. Uh, One of the coolest things the entire night. Bobby Valentin, the 01 Mets manager, was joined by Joe Torre, who is, of course, the longtime Yankee skipper, and they both threw out a pair of uh, ceremonial first pitches at the same time. That, That was really cool to see. Yeah, I really felt like 
you know, again, the major leagues did this with the Field of Dreams game. They've done it with the Little League stuff. This is another time where Major League and the two teams involved really just nailed all of the emotions, all of the feelings, all of the Memorial thoughts, everything everybody yep. was having uh, that that night. So that was really a, a, a uh, unfortunately, it's a magical scenario, mm-hmm. a magical night for a, for a very sad day. But Absolutely. You know, I remember that first game the Mets played back in New York after the terrorist attacks in 01. Uh, Mike Piazza won that game against Atlanta with a walk-off home run. And I, I, honest to God, Joe, I've never been happier to see Atlanta lose in that kind of manner because New York needed to win that that night. Help that city heal. And I, it was, they were worried they were even, whether they'd even be able to play the game because the air quality was still so bad because the dust was still up in the air from the towers going down. So that, you know, that was one of the, sometimes sports just gives us these magical moments. And that, that was definitely one of them. All right. So here is the current playoff picture going into games today, Joe. In the AL, the one seed is the Rays. The two seed is the Astros. The three seed is the White Sox. And there is a three-way tie in the wild card right now. The Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. And by winning percentage, the Red Sox are slightly behind, so I guess they're technically third. In the NL, excuse me. In the NL, number one seed is your Giants. The Brewers are two. The Braves are at three. Wild card one is the Dodgers. Wild card two is the Cardinals. Um, Both the Giants and the Dodgers have playoff berths clinched. Obviously, we don't know yet who's going to take the division, who's going to take the wild card. Here are, the, here are the teams that are close in each league. In the AL, the Mariners are f- the fourth team out right now. They are three games behind the, t- the three AL East teams, and the Athletics are three and a half games out. In the NL, the Reds are the number three team, a half game out. The Padres are fourth at one game out. The Phillies are fifth at three out, and the Mets are sixth at four out. All right, so I think, I think in the NL it's safe to say the Brewers and the Braves are not going to be switching places. I think we could pretty much lock them in at 2-3 and be a first-round matchup. Um, the Giants and the Dodgers, we'll see if the Dodgers can catch them. The Giants are hot as hell right now. So, you know, that's going to be that that's going to be a tough one. Do you think the Cardinals are going to hold on to that second spot? I mean, the NL is so tight. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I still don't think it's the Padres. And, and up in, I was checking out today, and I'm like, wait, wait, the Cardinals? Yeah, they just snuck in out of nowhere, which that freaking team in St. Louis has a history of doing. Uh, yeah, I, it's really interesting to see what, again, what San Diego kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while, and now... They're clawing they're, back. They're clawing back, but is it going to be enough? Yeah, I I don't think the Cardinals are going to hold on to the two. I, I don't either. I, I don't think they have enough this year. Um, I, it's probably a, a race between... You know the Padres and the Reds. The other thing is if you know Philly should Philly magically chance. corrects itself, but Philly should have a chance. There. But they can't beat the crappy teams, and that's all that's left in their schedule. I think yeah, the only yeah. other winning teams are I, they have a three game series with us in Atlanta, and I think they have a one more three game series in New York with the Mets, and I that might be it. Yeah, I, and. With the AL, I know we've talked about it some. I, I did not think we would have four AL East teams in the conversation going into the last couple of weeks of the season. I, I didn't expect that at all. I mean, if you had to tell me to pick which four teams, I mean, those are the four I would have picked. 
Right, but I mean, as far as having four AL East teams that we're talking about this competitively at the end of the year, I don't think, I, I don't think, at least I didn't think that that would happen. Yeah, here's the Phillies schedule the rest of the way. They're in a three-game series at home with Chicago, three on the road at the Mets, three at home with Baltimore, four at home with Pittsburgh, three on the road at Atlanta, three on the road at Miami. They should be able to make up some ground in the in the wild card, but I, I feel like I can't trust them to beat the crappy teams. Yeah, and I think Jason would agree with that. I think they're not having the success against the teams that they – have to be. I know we've we've hammered that home a few last couple of weeks. So, um, it, ho- hopefully they can figure some things out here at the end. But yeah, it's if, gonna be tight. If, if the Cardinals can stay hot, I, I you can't count them out. If the Reds can stay just hot enough, you can't count count them out either. Again, it's to me it's whether the Padres can can get back and stay there. I just don't think they can. So in the AL, I think it's it's not confirmed yet. I think it's pretty safe to say the Rays will probably stay one. The Astros and the White Sox are only a game apart. That could flip-flop who's in the two and who's in the three. And I don't know that that's going to f- change much. No, it's, it's going to be Astros, White Sox. It's just going to – they're fighting for home field advantage. Right, and, and the big problem in for the White Sox, they haven't played a meaningful game in at least a month and a half. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, they haven't clinched the division officially yet, and they haven't clinched a playoff spot, but they haven't played a meaningful baseball game in their division for at least two months. Realistically, they, if you're looking just in their division, they haven't played meaningful baseball all season because the rest of the AL Central is garbage. Yeah, and then across the AL in general, they really haven't played a, a meaningful game probably since the Yankee series, the Field of Dreams game. Yeah, I mean, they did have that three-game series in Oakland last week, but they dropped two or three there. They did take two or three from Boston at home, but they dropped two or three at Kansas City as well at the beginning of the month. You can't do that when you're fighting for playoff positioning. Well, and that's and again, I think that's the thing that's going to hurt them is they're not playing anything other than positioning, and they haven't been playing for anything but positioning since probably May. Yeah. So here's the th- here's looking ahead, Joe. The only team with a winning record that they play in the rest of the season is a two game mini series home against Cincinnati, September twenty eighth, twenty ninth. Their other opponents, the Angels, they're at home for three games. They're on the road for a long block: three at Texas, three at Detroit, one, two, three, four. Oh, a fiver in Cleveland. Although one of those days is doubleheader makeup, and then a three at home for Detroit to end the season. Yeah, they, they don't play anybody good. So, again, they should be able to jump ahead of the Astros, but will they? I don't know. And who's going to win the AL wild card? The Blue Jays. And it it's hard for me to count the Red Sox, the way that they played for so long, um, and the way the Yankees have struggled as of late. So... I, to me, I'm going to say Blue Jays, Red Sox at this point. Okay. I agree with the Blue Jays. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't think the A's and the Mariners are going to do anything to get any closer. I, the Mariners are, are just, you know, the same amount of games or, or worse out since they've been since the deadline. So here's what the Mariners have left. Um, three at Kansas City, three at uh, four at Oakland, three at the Angels, three at home versus Oakland, three at home versus the Angels. 
So here's the thing. Oakland and Seattle's gonna come down to those two is gonna come down to those series. Yeah. If they split those series between them, they're gonna knock each other out. Right, and if one team takes all or most of those games, then they could take a spot from one of these at least teams. Yeah. I I think it's gonna be of those two, my, my favorite would be Oakland, but again, I don't know if, if Oakland's going to have enough to overtake one of those two. Yeah, to get there. Uh, if I have to pick the three teams that are in right now, I'm going to take Blue Jays-Red Sox. I just don't trust the Yankees. I don't really trust the Red Sox either, but I like the Red Sox bats and pitching better than I like the Yankees bats and pitching. All right, so looking at my hot hitters from the past week, Joe. I have Teoscar Hernandez of the Blue Jays. I mean, honestly, you could have put all Blue Jays, guys. I limited myself to two. Hernandez went 448, 556, 862. He allowed 13 hits, or I'm sorry, he had 13 hits, didn't allow. Three doubles, three home runs, 13 runs scored, 10 RBIs, two steals, five walks, seven strikeouts. Also, Marcus Semien of the Blue Jays, 364, 462, 818 line, 12 hits, three doubles, four homers, eight runs scored, 12 RBIs. One stolen base, six walks, four strikeouts. And then just because I had to break it up a little bit, I went with Andrew Benatendi of Kansas City. He went 500, 516, 929, 14 hits, three doubles, three home runs, four runs scored, 14 RBIs, two walks, three strikeouts. Uh, who else did you have for hitters, Joe? I took care of you. I picked Guriel from Toronto. <laughs> Thank uh, you. 12 RBIs, 10 hits, nine runs, eight walks, and five strikeouts. Wow. Those are amazing numbers yeah the, the the hits and the number of walks just a, a lot of times i think with these hot hitters we see these number of walks and you're just like okay not only are you crushing the ball but you're seeing it really well too yeah to draw eight walks in a week that's fantastic Whew. all right my hot pitchers for the week i had max scherzer from the dodgers two and oh 16 and third innings pitch seven hits allowed no walks 22 strikeouts and zero era uh 0.44 whip Zach Wheeler of the Phillies, 2-0, 13 in the third innings, 10 hits, 2 walks, 17 strikeouts, 1 earned run, 1 home run allowed, a .71 ERA, a .95 whip. And then I also have Lance McCuller Jr. of Houston, 2-0, 12 innings pitch, 7 hits, 3 earned runs, 6 walks, 14 strikeouts, 1 home run allowed, 225 ERA, and a 1.08 whip. How about you, uh, other pitchers, Joe? Uh, I have our uh, adulting reliever of the week. All right. Um, from the surging St. Louis Cardinals, much to my chagrin. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos, the closer, three and two-thirds innings, one hit, no runs, seven strikeouts. The whip was .88 average over that those starts or those uh, appearances, and the batting average against was between 190 and 185 over those three opportunities. Wow. Um, and, so, and he was three for three with save opportunities. You can't argue with that. No, and that's the that's... biggest reason that they are where they are right now. Yep, absolutely. My hot teams. I have the Braves, the Brewers, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Rockies, sorry, Jason, the Blue Jays, and the Rangers. Um, do you have anybody else to add to that? No, I, I just – the Blue Jays are the hottest team easily right now. Um, the fact that we don't have the Red Sox, the Rays, or the White Sox on this list, I, I think we've had at least one of those three – for most of the show, so mm -hmm. um, the fact that we don't have any of them, and the fact that somehow the Red Sox are back in the conversation, it's incredible. It really is. 
Um, you know, the Rays, I don't think it's a, a long-term cool-off. They just maybe have, like, a an average week. Yeah. Um, and, and, again, I think the White Sox, like we've talked about, they haven't really played any meaningful games in quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah, the White Sox are going to have to get themselves ramped up or they're going to get knocked out of the playoffs. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. So looking at the week coming up, Atlanta starts off with three at home versus the Rockies. We've got Tucson versus Gray, Yanoa versus Sensatella, and Anderson versus Marquez. And then three on the road of the Giants, Morton versus Webb, Freed versus an unannounced starter, and Tucson versus uh, Disclafani. So this is another one of those big weeks for Atlanta, Joe. They need, to, they need to take care of business against the Rockies. They're at home, so there's no excuse um, they did lose last night, but they're tied right now in the top of the seventh, two-two. Um, and I, they really—I know Atlanta doesn't typically play well on the road in the West Coast. They need to take at least one of these games from the Giants. I really would like to see them take two, since both Morton and Freed are going. But they definitely need to take at least one. Um, you know, we're in playoff push time. You need to win the games. You need to win. Yeah, and and you really have to. I think that Giants series is going to be. A good test, um, you know. You've got Morton and Freed. Can the bullpen not screw it up? Right. Um, and you're does, playing again the hottest team in baseball, the team with the best record. Right. And does Riley return to form this week? Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna do the Cubbies and the Phillies a little out of order. So the second half of the week, the Cubs have three on the road at the Brewers. You got Davies versus Hauser, Steele versus Burns, Samson versus Lauer. And then the first half of the week, the the uh, Cubbies and the Phillies play each other in Philadelphia with Samson versus Gibson, Mills versus Suarez, and Hendricks versus an unannounced starter. So, what do you think this week for the for the uh, Cubs and the Phillies? We'll go there first. Uh, I mean, for me, as I've kind of been since the deadline, I'm just kind of seeing what we have, figuring out what they can do. Um, Mills had a decent start tonight, but they're in a uh, he's on the the no decision side of that. The Phillies just went ahead again, uh, five to four, in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, JT just hit a homer to take the lead. Uh, so for the Phillies, it's you know, for the Cubs, okay, see what Hendricks has, see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, mean, this is the first time Hendricks has been pitching in a in a losing season or a non playoff season, so. For me, I just want to see him get some good innings and in, see get some good work. Uh, you know, give see, the bullpen a break. Right, um, and then the the Brewer series, I think. You know, I, I don't even care about Davies. Let's just ignore that one. Yeah. Right. Um, Justin Steele again. My my big thing with him is I just want to see what you can do. See what you can do. See some um, progression. Right, and Sampson is another one. Again, see what you can do. Mills didn't pitch too bad tonight, but uh, you know, a couple pitches here or there. Uh, to get on the wrong side of it, but and they did win last night, so right they've already taken game one and they and they beat Gibson to do it and he's been very good since the Phillies uh, scalped the Rangers to pick him up along with Ian Kennedy at the trade deadline, right, and then the Phillies there this is this really is a make or break week they end on the road at the Mets Wheeler versus two one Walker Nola versus Carrasco Gibson versus Hill, yeah if if they can take. Tonight and tomorrow from the Cubs, and they can take two out of three or sweep the Mets. This is a totally different conversation next week. 
um, you know, about where they are or where they could do or what they could do. Can Nola figure out pitching in September mm-hmm. all of a sudden? Because that would be super helpful for them. I just, I don't trust the Phillies in the road. I, I have a really hard time seeing them win more than one game in the series because I don't trust Aaron Nola in September. Right, and I get the whole Phillies on the road thing, but they're also playing the worst offense. You know, of, of all the teams that are still in the conversation, they have to be the worst offense in the National League. Absolutely, but they also suddenly after, you know, they suddenly are trying to turn hot again. They We left them for dead, but they're, they are still within striking distance of the second wild card. Yeah, I mean... Even though their offense is still garbage. Yeah, the, the offense is garbage. Rojas is questionable at best with some of his management decisions. That's putting it nicely. Um, right, well, we're not we're not a you know full blown profanity based tirade show yet. So um, <laughs> yeah, you know Rojas has been questionable at best as a manager for them. Um, you know the amount of lineups they've had and all that is it's, they they haven't built any consistency. Carrasco is hit or miss. Walker is hit or miss, and Rich Hill is your innings eater. So, yeah. you know, I, I think I think Gibson there. I think Gibson will have a good start for Philly in that Sunday game. I would think um, Noah again. This is going to be a battle of two pitchers who should be good but aren't pitching well. Right. Um, and then that Wheeler Walker game will be a lot of fun to watch. I think. Yeah, that's going to be I think the best game of the entire series. And Taylon Walker, I mean, since the All Star break, he's either been lights out, shut out, or he's been getting hit. So I think we're going to know pretty early on in this game how it's going to go. Right, and, and most of the time it's been the the latter of that getting hit pretty good. Um, you know, here or there he's been lights out, but for the most part he's been okay but not quite good enough yet. So here's here are the series I'm looking forward to coming up this week. In the first half, Rays and Blue Jays because of that freaking AL wildcard mess. Cardinals at Mets because, again, the Cardinals, where the hell did they come from? And then Padres at Giants. And then second half of the week I'm watching Phillies at Mets and Padres at Cardinals. Yeah, those are, I think, really the big series. I think the other thing to see is I think um, Boston, I think, plays at home against Baltimore this weekend. So can they, you know, continue and kind of build some momentum and get on the roll for the end of the season. That's the other one. Uh, the other one, too, I think this part of the week, it's, it's ending tomorrow, um, is Angels-White Sox. Uh, you know, can, can the White Sox put a couple of games together going into their weekend series, um, which is against the Rangers. You know, again, we've talked about them not playing meaningful baseball. Can they put some games together and play some meaningful baseball? At least pick up some momentum, if nothing else. Right. All right, so for Pick'em last week, so because I'm so far behind Jason, I did something stupid. In the Atlanta series that I knew they were going to go 2-1-2-1, I picked a sweep of the Marlins trying to get ahead of Jason and get a perfect week when I should have just gone with my gut and went 2-1-2-1, and I could have joined you guys with perfect week. So uh, good job for you guys nailing the, the Braves last week. In the Cubs series, I predicted a 2-4, and 1-2, 1-2 and and week, and I picked up a point for guessing the weekly record. Jason did the same. Uh, Joe, you were a game off of a perfect week there. Uh, if they would have picked up one of those freaking games against the Giants, you were going to nail a perfect week. But you only got a half a point, unfortunately. 
The Phillies, I was the only one who picked up anything. I did not think they would do very well against Milwaukee. I don't know why you guys both thought they'd go 2-1 and one on the road in Milwaukee. So I picked up a half point for the Phillies. And then Cleveland, we're just not going to talk about that because uh, Cleveland fell apart to a 1-6 and six record, and we all thought they were going to do 4-3 and three or better. So we're just not going to talk about Cleveland. And, you know, as far as those Cubs, I, I, again, I'm a lifelong Cub fan. I'm used to the team letting me down. They let me down this weekend. <laughs> All right, now the overall season standings. Jason is starting to pull away at 40.5 points. Joe's in second, 36.5, and, and I'm uh, pulling up the rear at 34.5. Again, I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have been stupid. I should have just gone with my gut, and it cost me a point and a half for this week. So that, that's on me. Go figure. All right, guys, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spreaker. Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dollardogsandbeer, and on our Twitter page, at dollardogsandbeer. You can find us on Twitter, Andrew's at pyrolord314, Jason is at J-R-I-E-K-E-R-300, Joe is at joltonjoe35. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast, LLC. May your dogs always cost a dollar, may your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everyone.